Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, 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 Bills Mafia. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And while you might not be able to be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Not sure about you guys, but if you haven't put money down on the Bills this year, then you're absolutely crazy. And Bet Online is the place to do it. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino, which absolutely never closes. So head on to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again. That is betonline.ag and sign up today. Yo, ho, ho, Bills Mafia. What's up? Welcome to yet another edition of Believe in Bills with your host, Dan Mitchell and Aaron Williams. And guys, what's going on, Bills Mafia? We have a special, special guest. And say that you're watching this. A legend. A a true legend. (laughs) Not only for the Bills, but the entire damn league. Needs no introduction. It's Akio Spikes. Yo. What's going on, Akio? Woo! (laughs) There it is. There goes the energy. That's the Akio I know. Yes, sir. Hey, Dub, it's a pleasure to be with you. You and my man, the main man, Dan. Um, I appreciate you coming on on the pod with us, man. Share some insight. Listen, man, this is this is huge. It's huge because A-Dub, we always had run-ins with each other and all the respect in the world for each other. Absolutely. And so, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, you know what? It's not even why not. It's like how fast. So My man. <laughs> it was good to where we were able to kind of blend the schedule, man, and and uh, to see the – to really see the continuity and, like, the damn – the gestures that you and Dan have been able to put together in such a short period of time. Like, I commend you guys, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, yeah, man, we definitely appreciate that. And so, I mean, honestly, I think I speak for all of Bill's Mafia in really wondering what you've been up to lately. I uh, know that you have the Behind the Mask podcast, which is an awesome show, by the way. But, I mean, like, we'd love to hear what you got going on. Yeah, man. So, you know, when I I did a lot when I first got out of uh, football. Retired in 13. Um decided to go back to school. But in the midst of going back to school to finish my undergrad, I decided to, I've always had a love and a passion for photography. I decided to, to take that on, graduated from undergrad, decided to get an MBA from UM. So I guess now officially, somewhat I can throw up the U. Okay, there it is, there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So did that, uh, came out with my photography coffee table book, the title Behind the Mask and volume one was dedicated to some of the greatest linebackers that ever played in the game and just getting, I got them sharing their story of how did they become great, you know, and, and what trials and tribulations did they go through to not only become the player that they were, but the person who they are still to this day. And, um, you know, once I did that, graduated, got my MBA, and uh, really, that just kind of turned me into what I'm doing now. I think one of the things I forgot to mention, all of the, all of the photographs in the book, I took. So 
and I also wrote it as well. So that's what makes it so sweet for me. So currently now, I'm working on volume two with some of the greatest running backs in the game. And I do my show, Behind the Mask Podcast Show. Shameless plug. There you hey. go. You know so what I mean? That's away, what man. I do, baby. And we're on all platforms. So yeah. make sure you follow and let's talk good. We talk about football, social issues. We talk about life, chicks, how many beers you can throw up. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 I like Cheers. that. Cheers. Kill, let me ask you this because I'm in a little bit of a situation that you were in back then. I'm actually in school now getting my undergrad. What, what was – the, was there any difficulty coming back from being away from school for so long, or was it kind of easy kind of just getting the gist of things? Bro, so, like, that's a good question because, for me, I was so afraid of I – was, I was afraid of, like, what I didn't know because I haven't been back to school in so long. And so when I finally went back, it was actually easier. And the reason why is it's – is, you know, we come from a structured background. And when you come from a structured background, always playing the game and you got to know, like, hey, I got to be here, 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 every day. So I put that same type of energy that I gave towards football and football gave me, I made a schedule off of it. And so that's what made it easier for me. You know, so, yeah. it, it, bro, it ain't going to – you're in a different mindset right now, too. You actually – you know, not saying that you attended school right. just for football, but now you actually going to school to get your degree versus to do both. Right. So that's what makes it different. Makes sense. That that, that makes sense. It's 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 get difficult. When I first got back, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I could finish this. This is this is on another level. Like the comprehension, and everything. I was like, man, I this, I've been so I've been gone away from school for so long. I was yeah. nervous. I was like, I don't know if I can do this because the, the, the work that was giving me wasn't like it was hard. It was just an overload of things. So I had to like. That's it. That's all it is. It's an overload. And I, I had to apply my everything I learned from football as far as being time management and apply it to my schoolwork. So that's what it is makes it easier is knowing how I handled my time management in the league, transferred over to school, and it, it worked out better for me uh, now than it has before. So. That's really cool that you did that. And how far along were you, Takiyo? And so right when you started back, were you entering your senior year when you started back? Or? Well, no, because I left as a junior. So back then, we were yeah. on quarters versus everybody takes semesters now. So I only had one quarter that I took. And so I left as a junior, didn't go back to school in January. Fast forward now, I, I damn near had a good year and a half of work. You know, but, man, I, I went heavy online, took a couple of classes in person, and um, that's how I was able to get through it, you know. But nice. you know, for the most part, it, 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 was, it was a good experience. And Mr. Spikes, an MBA as well, throwing that title at the end of the last name, man. I respect I know. it. Cheers I respect again, it, man. Dan. Cheers again. Cheers, I like man. that. I like yeah, that. Man. Cheers, Sorry. man. I respect that. Um, but, yeah, guys, we definitely have an awesome show. We are going to field a bunch of questions that you guys littered with us to sort of give to Takeo. Uh, but first, guys, like I like, we need to address the elephant in the room right here. There is no question that the Bills are playing the um, – so, so with the Tennessee Titans this Sunday, and that's allegedly at this point. 
it sounds like it's not going to happen, right? And this morning I woke up and right after two days of consecutive zero positive tests, they ended up having two more positive. So with me, so was visibly angry and went on Twitter and said there was clearly negligence that happened during this. Like, I definitely understand that nobody wants to contract COVID, but with that many cases, it was clear that there was some type of gross negligence. And then I felt bad, but then maybe two hours later, they said that they ended up having an off the books workout a day after they were instructed to quarantine and stay away from their facility. And now there's rumors that the NFL rate is about to lay down historic penalties, whether or not that this means that this is a forfeit or they lose draft picks. So, I mean, from players perspectives, um, sort of curious to hear y'all's thoughts on whether or not that this will be deserved or whether or not that I'm just overreacting as a fan. I'm with the cue on this one. All right. Any of the better insight. Okay. Okay. So g- give it to me again now, the question again. Yeah. So, so did I overreact and say that, all right, so the Titans deserve whatever they have coming to them for clearly ignoring the protocols that were put in place during this season. Yeah. Um, yes, you did overreact. Okay. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Think about it like this. Okay. And I'm going to speak with the same hat that you're wearing right now. Yeah. Neither one of us, neither one of us have played in one single snap of professional football this year. And will we? No. So, Honestly, we have to take a step back and just say, you know what? Um, we have been spoiled. And these guys are really putting their lives on the line. And, then and you see, sometimes we have a strong tendency to forget about the ones who opted out. I think about New England. They had at least six guys to opt out. Yeah. And that's unheard of, you know, especially after having champions, winning championships. So I think you're overreacting. But do I think it's fair? Yes, it's. Uh, I don't say it's fair. It is what it is because I'm a fan, just like you. Yeah. And so, like, on Sunday, I want to be entertained so I can come back and have these fabulous podcast conversations so we can talk about the game. And so if somebody catches COVID and is wrong as shit now, I'm just telling you, as the fan, I'm just like, damn, man, he, now he finna get somebody infected. Now this person. And so you're like, now I'm hoping I got football. But I just want to try to keep everything into perspective, too, and just yeah. understand, like, I commend these young men because they didn't have to play. You know, everybody had a choice in the fight. But to answer your question selfishly, I hate to see it. And I would hate to be one of the guys on the Buffalo Bills teams just because yeah. of the uncertainty that it puts you in from a mindset. Mm-hmm. And so what about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm with him there. Like, we as fans, we have been spoiled to even being gracious enough to even have a season this year. You say? During a pandemic, I mean, why, we really should not be playing games anyway as it is. But we decided to take that chance and take that, that leap of favor. Hopefully nobody – Let's, you know, continue the season. Hopefully nobody gets infected or has the virus. But, man, it's a pandemic, man. What do you expect? And nobody's yeah, going to yeah. get it at some point. Like, if you're out and about and you haven't even, – even if you have 25% fans or 50% fans in the stadium, 
you're still putting everybody at risk by having people together. Now, is everybody following the six-foot rule? Probably not. I mean, we're trying our best, yeah. but we're trying to watch the game. And, to, you know, we, to watch the game, you interact with people. You high-five, you hug, you do whatever it is. So, in a, as a player's perspective, I think, like, that's good. That if they don't have a game, then that's fine. I mean, we have, to, we have to put in considerations that these guys are putting not only their lives, but their family lives in jeopardy by playing and, and being around the – around the pandemic or around coronavirus that is still out there, yet we yeah. ignore it thinking that, oh, we can still play this game and have the, the, set, the set aside rules to play. And that's just, not, that's just not the way it is. So fan perspective, yes, it is frustrating to, to have a few games and then not have one for one week, but we got to lose our, 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 selfish, our selfishness because we got to think outside of that. Their families are – are important their their sure. lives are important so we have to put that in consideration for sure for sure and so i mean i'm curious now too because i mean like there was an opt-out period and i mean let's say that there was another world and y'all two were still in the league would y'all have opted out or would you still have played uh me without question i would have played <laughs> my <laughs> man i knew i, I, I would have played too i i don't know <laughs> i probably because I, yeah. I couldn't imagine me sitting down for 16 weeks and just completely just working out. But that's just the competitiveness in me to want to play. That I, If I have a chance to play and I'm healthy enough to play, I'm definitely going to suit up and play. But it, it's hard to say that because we're not, we're not putting on the pads anymore. So now it's a little different. You know, it's, all, it's a he say, she say kind of thing because – as a player, you want to play, but as a fan, you're like, ah, I think it's smart to not not play and keep the family healthy. For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, honestly, and so I knew y'all's two answers before I even asked that question. That's why I was, you know, the biggest fan of both of you back in the day. So, I mean, that was always good. Um, so, I mean, now I think it's a fantastic segue to start hitting up like this plethora of questions that we got into Keo. Let me say that there were several that wanted to know your trap workout routine, but we will skip those. Uh, there was several that, that dove into that. But um, starting off with probably one of my favorites, and I'm curious to see that. Um, what was your trash talk game like back in the day? This comes uh, from Ethan. It, Ethan, it was, it was personal. Oh, wow. I would make it personal because once I got to the point of understanding and knowing what I had to do. Uh -huh. Oh, then it was like, understand, well, really understanding everybody as a linebacker, it made the game easier. And then like, as I'm watching film, you know, my close friends still to this day, we talk about these stories, but uh, if I'm watching film, if I didn't like a dude mannerisms on the offensive side of the ball, and like, if you get up and you give me this tough look and this tough, like, like you can, no, I, like I don't like you the rest of the week. And so the more I see you, the more it pisses me off. And so then at the, in the back of the room, you know, I, they was youngsters at the time, Angelo Crowell, Mario Hagan, they, you know, they are Ig London Fletcher on and be like, Fletch, like, like what, what Spike's going to do? What is he going to do? And so now then it's like, all right, I promise you I'm going to make him tap out by the third quarter. You know what I mean? So that was the type of mindset that I had, man. Sick, sick. So, like, I mean, does any specific scenario, 
come to mind where like I mean like you just saw someone on the opposing offense and like you just said something like like you were like I want to get in this dude's head and like what did you say to him <laughs> and so like I mean like right after like I mean like you laid somebody out or you know <laughs> man I I don't think this is going to be disclosed but if it is I want to hear this and so if it's not disclosed I know that Aaron will tell me oh I'll sure. definitely tell you what I said I don't care <laughs> <laughs> oh I used man it was one it was just one fullback in particular oh damn okay and see and I came up in the era to where fullbacks were like like fullbacks yep and you like Sam Gash Lorenzo uh Neal like all of these cats and it's and Tony Richardson different type style breed of fullback but it was just one in particular like I didn't like him and I was like this dude he was punishing linebackers week in and week out so I was just like all right fellas instead of me making him tap out fourth quarter I promise you I'm gonna take his soul in the third quarter and I mean we got in a damn fight and boy this one time referee separated us and then I remember one of his teammates like man why you like he ain't even do nothing you know, chill out, because they just wanted to play. They got tired. Then I was like, I looked at him. I'm like, I told you his bitch ass about the Tampa. I'm telling you. Look at him. You got yes. your running talking up for you. Oh, man, that was classic. Yes. But oh, I, my God. So that's, you know, a lot, most times it was more so fun, because I know I'm going to see you in the offseason. And, like, you, we may have lost the game, but guarantee you, you're going to give me my respect. So, that's what my trash talking looked like. Oh, man. And so, I mean, like, now, like, I, like, know that, like, I mean, like, we're not supposed to be asking Aaron questions, but, I mean, I'm just generally curious. So, like, I mean, like, what's, like, the most ruthless thing you've ever said to someone after, like, you, like, laid them out or whatever? Man, man, I got, I got vulgar out in the field, man. But oh. it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, it wasn't nothing unpersonal because I really didn't know these guys outside of football besides saying what's up and he, like hanging out for like a, a few minutes and going our separate ways. So my trash talking was fun, but it was also trying to get in your head. So I'm talking about your mom. I'm talking about your oh. girlfriend. Oh, I'm talking shit. about your family. I, I, I'm trying to get in your head to like make you get off your, your, your game, get off your course. So I'm not going to say I'd say it every single game, but I, I mean – Dan, you see, I had a lot of altercations when I was with the Bills. So yeah, a lot. And of, so that's why I loved you, man. And a lot, I, you know, and it was just <laughs> to bring the energy, man. It wasn't just yeah. to, you know, isolate myself as the number one trash talker. It was to get my my teammates pumped up. It's it's for me to get pumped up. Like that's just part of the game for for me. Okay. But what I said, I mean, I I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to say it on air. But it was like a lot of, you know, use a bitch, you know, you trash, you, you know what I'm saying, you you little baby, I you know what I'm saying, you you small to me. You know, a lot of stuff like that. It was just a whatever to get in their head, to be honest. Damn. And well, I mean, like that was definitely entertaining. And so I mean, I've always wanted to be like a fly on the wall, like right, like on like the on field, like minus like sometimes where like the hot mic will pick something up in the sidelines. But that was beautiful. Um, so next question comes from Silver Smasher, and uh, he says, hey, Takiyo, huge fan. Um, seeing that with Tremaine Edmonds' struggles this year, if you could give him advice on how to overcome this, what would you tell him? 
Um, I think they just – I don't think it's just him. I just think they're going through it defensively mm-hmm. overall. And so just – I think you said the advice. What advice would I give him? Yeah. I just, you know, stay the course because it's a marathon. It's not – it's all a game. It's all a race, but it's a marathon. And don't put too much – don't have too much implied pressure. Like I understand to have the expectation, but – I understand, like, you're a pawn in the game. And he's still young, so the more and more he continues to develop that rapport with the rest of his teammates and understand that, I think that will help him as he continue to move forward because I know he got nicked up a few weeks ago, came back, but tremendous talent. I'll tell you a story that a lot of people don't know. When he came out of Virginia Tech, uh, I trained him a few sessions right before he got ready to go to the draft. And I knew at the time, I was like, man, I was like, this dude here ain't even 20. I I think he was just 20 years old, just turned 20. And I was like, boy, you a baby. But just to see him move and to be able to put him on certain drills that I knew that they were going to do, it was awesome. It, It was good. And I knew just from watching him and then watching him play because at that time, I used to call, do color commentary for ACC Network, and I used to call their games. So I used to – I see all of the guys play, but I knew he was going to be special, knew he was going to be a player. Yeah. And so that's definitely interesting, you know. Like, I mean, like this year, it's funny because Bills fans were used to last year in 2019 where we rode the back, like, rate of our defense to a – still right to the 10-6 and six final record. But now it seems to have switched. And I mean, me and Aaron actually talked about this last, like last podcast, but I'm like sort of curious to like hear your thoughts. Like, why do you think that the Bills are struggling defensively this year? And let alone like the entire NFL, because defense really has not been much this year so far. So, I mean, like, like, what are your thoughts on why this has been an issue? I think it's, I mean, they came up under, I don't care how much you can go learn from Zoom meetings, there's nothing like actually going out doing it. Got it. And I would probably say most football players are, you know, maybe 80%, 80-90% actual do guys. They have to do it, excuse me, in order to make that like a good rep. So I think that's been challenging for them. I also think you know, when you have different people put in different situations. Uh, it's crazy to me to look at this defense and to see that they're ranked in the bottom half of the league. Like, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I never thought that would I would ever see that. And then knowing the head coach. Now, to say all of that to say, the reason why a lot of people were disappointed is simply because, because when you look at – Leslie Frazier, you look at the head coach, Sean McDermott, like that's their, listen, that's their DNA. We're going to be physical. We're going to fly around. We're going to play smart, physical, fast football. How I know that coach McDermott was my coach when I was in Philly. And he is like, I knew he was going to be a head coach. Just see it from the early stages. So the disappointing part overall is just probably simply due to them not having enough continuity with each other. I truly believe you measure a team in the National Football League from how they do from week three to week five. 
that truly tells you because you're after the first quarter of the season, some of the same mistakes that you don't want your guys to make in the, in the first two games, you have to understand they are going to make them. And especially coming from the situation that these guys are actually playing in now. So uh, I truly believe now you will really see and really keep track of like the true grit and the true metrics of what this defense is going to be for the rest of the season. But offensively, you know, they are lighting it up. Yeah. Who would have ever thought? No one. Josh Allen would have the third highest quarterback rating in the NFL right now. You know what I mean? So that's – that's and he's behind Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. you know, much as we hate it and people in Buffalo love defense, I'll take it. And I'm sure they oh, will. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. 110%, dude. Like, I mean, like, I was defending Josh Allen the second that he got drafted. And, I mean, I'm just happy that I was, like <laughs> – and so I made some random prediction that, I mean, he would be eventually, like, right in the MVP conversation. I mean, I just loved seeing what he did, like, not only in college, but then, like, really going and making that transition right into the NFL. I mean, this is a very exciting time to be a Bills fan. Um, and so, which is a great segue right to my next question – what are your thoughts on the Bills in 2020? So are they just going to pull a repeat of the 2008 team that went 5-0 and and then finished the season out to 7-9, and or is this a different team from your perspective? Different team from this perspective. That team back in 2008 didn't have the type of quarterback that they have now. And this quarterback is the future. He was drafted with the intentions on being the future. So – the more and more I think about it, no, they are not going to even be close. I think what we what we see from the Bills is is there to stay on the offensive side, and they haven't even figured out the running part yet. So um, they're going to do that. But then defensively, um, I think this team is going to continue to get stronger the more and more they play with each other, as I stated earlier. And people ask me all the time before the season starts, who – so is this, does this – does this division belong to the Buffalo Bills? And I've always said it. I'm going to say it now. This division belongs to the New England Patriots until you dethrone them. Yeah. And so uh, do I think they have a good enough team to do it? Yeah. And they've had teams good enough in the past. But it's something different about this team. And you take into – factor that New England is not really playing with a lot of their guys, but they're still playing, so a win is a win. But you have to understand, I think the nucleus of this team has been together, and the, 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 the intentions are just different. And you got a quarterback who's giving you something that you haven't had since the late 90s. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the reason why I think this team is different. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And I mean, I know a lot of a lot of Bills Mafia is relieved to hear you say that because I mean, there's been so many teams like right in the past that have looked good, but just like really haven't been able to like, take that next step. Like, and so back in 2004, like back when you were with the Bills, like, I mean, like we had Drew Bledsoe, we had you, obviously, uh, we had Eric Moulds, Lee Evans, like, I mean, that team looked amazing. And it's crazy, man. It's like, definitely crazy to think like it, like, it almost tasted weird coming out of my mouth being like, wow. And so the Buffalo Bills might have like a top three quarterback right now. It's insane. Hey, you look at it, 
Shit, you might need to keep saying it. Yeah. <laughs> right now, he's a top three quarterback. Right. And just manifest it. And just yeah. manifest it. Oh, damn. Top three in touchdowns. I want to say he's probably number two when it comes to yards passed in the league. Yeah. And, yeah, for sure. Not bad for, you know, not bad for a quarterback that's inaccurate, right? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. <laughs> oh, man. And so I know that Aaron has some burning questions for you. So I think I'm going to pass the mic. Yeah, I have a few questions for the for the legendary man himself. <laughs> um, Tequila, who is who is your like? Who was like your OG? The guy, like a player that took you under your wing when you first came into the league. Who was that guy to like show you how to be a pro? Man, I would say when I first got in, it was I was fortunate because I was drafted with the Bengals and in 98, but I had this guy on the team who um, he's on the ballot to be in the hall of fame and he, he should be there faster than anybody. Willie Anderson, Mm -hmm. offensive lineman. We also played one year together in Auburn. And the thing that what he did that was so valuable to me was he kind of gave me the blueprint for the, and how to be successful. you like, don't come in the locker room looking like you hung over. I don't care how good the night was the night before or how good she was. I don't care where y'all went. Don't come back in here looking like it. And don't come back in here smelling like it. So it was, I came into a locker room I felt like was very dysfunctional. And it was easy to get caught up. And that was the reason why, like, year after year after year, Certain teams are not good because the culture isn't good. And so he was the guy who took me under the wing and really showed me, like, all right, I'm going to show you the pros. I'm going to show you the cons. It's up to you how good you want to be at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So that's what it boiled down to. That's what's up. I like that. I like that. Uh, who was – who? What? what game was your best game – out of all of your out of all of your seasons being in NFL, what was that one game you could think back and be like, man, I showed up and showed out today that game? Because I know you had a lot of games. You have a lot of games. I know you had a lot of games <laughs> like that. Two hundred and twenty, but I, I I mean I got great moments. So I, I give you one, and I think it's fitting for what we're talking about now and 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 the platform that we are on. That the first time I played in the Bills game, and it was against the New England Patriots, 2003, first game of the year. Dur- during that week, Lawyer Malloy, he got released, cut from the Bills. We picked him up, and he came on, came on and uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. Bro, I came out that game, I had double-digit tackles. Okay. I had two interceptions. I had a knockout hit of Troy Brown going across the middle, separating him from the ball. Like, I'm talking, I was on fire. Right, right. I mean, so, like, that's probably one of the greatest memories because everybody wanted to know, all right, you paid this dude all this money. Like, what what is his contribution going to be? So, I ended up winning AFC Defensive Player of the Week that, that week. Yeah, I'll never forget that, bro. There we go. 
What's uh? So I'm gonna get into like more of a player, player, player to player question instead of a fan question. What what's a, what's one of the weirdest weirdest things that happened to you during during training camp? <laughs> and so Aaron's story is hysterical. Oh so. yeah, yeah. I got because the reason why I asked <laughs> the reason why I asked is because when I when I first got drafted and. This was when during the lockout, so I didn't have the time to like grab a place, figure out the city, know my coaches, any of that. So we go out to Rochester, and I think it's like maybe the first week we had just got there. And uh, our GM, oh, I can't remember what his name at the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna look it up, but I, our GM at the time had called me right after practice and was like, he thought I was Lee Evans. This is when Lee, this is when they cut Lee. So I got a call from our GM and he's like, Hey, you know, you've done a great job for us. And, you know, we love how you play for us. And it's just, you know, it's unfortunate that your time, you know, it, we must part ways. And I'm thinking like, hold up, man. I, you literally just drafted me and I've only been to practice for one week. And he goes, oh, wait, this isn't Lee Evans? I said, no, sir, this is Aaron Williams. Goes, oh, well, please keep this a secret. Nobody knows about this. And hey, secret goal, no, dog. Hey, man, my heart dropped so bad. I thought I did something wrong. I thought it was a wrap for me. I was like, I just got there. So that's why I asked you, what's one of the craziest things that's happened to you in training camp? Oh, that story was so good. I forgot the question you even asked. So, but no, so no, 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 I'm good. I One of the craziest things was, oh, you know what? Crazy thing. Simple but crazy. My last year in the league, we, it was my 15th year, and I didn't know it was going to be my last one. But Eric Wood walked up beside me. He was like, Spikes, in two days, we'll be out of training camp. I'm like, all right. I said, what's your point? He was like, I just wanted to let you know, I looked at your, your, your bio or the, your previous, and you never missed a training camp. So after three days, you will have officially spent a year and three months out of your life in training camp. Jeez. And I had to think about that, and I was like, damn, you know what? You're right. And you know how much we hated tra training camp. I'm telling you. Like, that's, that shit was like, God. That's... <laughs> it hurts talking about it. <laughs> yeah, man. You're seeing the same people, the damn same conversation. You know, first when you first get there, you're talking to your lady every night. Then after that, you ain't trying to talk to her. Right, right. <laughs> so it's just like you're just sick of everything, man. Then the people, you see people walking around, might see a young lady, be like, man, never even noticed her. Week three, you look around again, you got the camp eye. You thinking oh, she looking like Miss America. I'm telling you. Like everything. The camp eye? <laughs> the camp and so for a second, I honestly thought that Aaron was going to tell the story where he had to, like, sign a boob. Like oh, that was the story that I, I, I thought gonna he was going to tell you. Question. That was going to be my, oh, definitely my next question. Oh, got it, got it. Because my man Shaquille has been in the league way longer than I have, and I know for sure he's been asked millions of times, can you please, Mr. Spikes, autograph this, this, and that. 
Now, what I'm going to ask you is, and you don't have to answer because, you know, it's your right not to. What is the craziest place you've ever autographed someone? Or what is the, what is the craziest request you've got before? I signed a few titties myself. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I haven't been fortunate enough to sign any titties, but <laughs> I tell you one thing. This, this young lady asked me to sign her chest where her heart is at. So I don't know if you want to yeah, that's kinda... put it there, but it was, it, you know, it was like up high. Yeah. I was like, and I felt so uncomfortable because uncomfortable. her boyfriend was right beside oh, her. Oh, man. So I was like, all right, let me sign this left hand just in case if he do something, I can put my helmet in his right hand in case if he feeling funny. Like, because I'm thinking <laughs> like, Dude, how can you sit up here and let me sign your lady chest, though? Right. Not, not me. Not I. Nah, that, that, that was one I had to I had to damn sit down and process that one, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And then last question. Oh, by the way, Buddy Nix was the one who called me that, that during my story. So, <laughs> Buddy Nix, I appreciate you scaring me my first week of being in the NFL. But my last question for you is, what is it about Buffalo that – what? What do you like about Buffalo? What has Buffalo brought to you? What it like? What has Buffalo done to you um, as a person, as a player? Why is Buffalo such a great city, but not publicized or not getting a lot of um, a lot of rep? I guess you don't have the glitz and glamour that a lot of other cities has, and you just look at the city, the um, just the industry, the type of people there. Um, but what made it special for me was it reminded me of what Friday night football felt like in Georgia, what Friday night football felt like in, in Texas, in Florida, in California, you know, in certain areas. So, um, I remember one, I never forget this story. One fan came up to me. He was like, Keo, I'm gonna tell you, I gotta be honest. The power company called me today and told me they were going to cut off my, um, you know, my power so I won't have any heat. And he was, I was like, well, like, that's an easy question. <laughs> right. He was like, I'm just letting you know that it costs $150 for me to turn it on. And I'm not giving them my money because I won't have a ticket to go see the game. And as you talk about something hitting reset on me. I'm thinking, damn, dude, yes, like sir. you really die hard. Yeah. And so I was like, it made me feel like, man, I ain't even complaining, man. This dude here finna sit in the cold in his house and they don't pay his power bill? Oh, no. We, I, I, I just told him, I said, look, we gonna make it worthwhile. We'll, we'll heat it up for you. Now, on Monday, you might need to find something to go pay that, right. but at least until Sunday, you will be good. Absolutely. And, and that's what – and that's why I say – I'm not saying that just because I'm a I'm, I'm a former Bill, but Buffalo Bills fan base is by far the best fan like fan base in the NFL. And I know, you know, you got your cowboy cowgirls and you got your 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 San Francisco Niners, but nobody goes harder on tailgating. Nobody goes harder during the game. Nobody goes harder during after the game than the Bills Mafia, and that is a true fact. I dare somebody to test me on that. I have all day to rebuttal, and I'm going to just leave it at that. And so that's interesting. So 
so back in the day, like back in like the early 2000s, was the table breaking still a thing? Because like, that's like back, like, I mean, like when I was like 11 or 12 years old. So, I mean, I didn't see it and it was before social media. So like, how long has the table breaking thing been around? I think they were breaking tables back then, but it just wasn't publicized because we didn't have the social media. Got it. Got you know, it. like, I remember after games, what was so cool was myself, Drew Bledsoe, and I can't remember somebody else. We used to have a, we used to have our own RVs and we used to box it in the RVs together. And then we have a cookout just for all of the families. And so we used to have like, the visiting team come over and eat good. Well, you know what I mean? It was just all bread breaking in, like good fellowship. You know what I mean? So, but I remember the tailgate, tailgating was awesome, even just from riding by looking at the fans. And would you ever go through a table? Hell yourself? No. Hell if someone no. asked you? That would be a negative. Uh, <laughs> be a negative? Yeah. Got it. Hey, got Dan, it. I got one more question for uh, Tequil. Tequil, um, now – and a lot of people don't realize what, well, they do, they kind of understand what it is, but how was, because you, you had a chance to have a lot of rookie nights. What is one of the best experiences of rookie nights you've, you've came across? Because you've had, what, 15 rookie nights? So yep. I know you have a, a, good, a good amount of stories you can give us about rookie night. And for those who don't know who, what rookie night is, rookie night in the NFL is you pick a, you pick a particular week where – you guys, it's usually either in the bye week or after a Thursday Thursday night game where you take your rookie and your rookie has to pretty much just please us and buying food and whatever else the veterans have decided for you to for them to pay. So, what? Give us just one instance of one of your rookie nights. All right, rookie night. So, I'm gonna give you this from before we hop off. The It actually happened in Buffalo. There we go. <laughs> so we all, so like the guys came into the room, they already knew like, we behind you guys, you guys never missed a game ever. So chances are of us playing is slim. So, and we reminded them of that too. But we didn't fail to teach the younger guys. We, that was something we took pride in, myself, London, Fletcher. So we made them get us a big limo Mm-hmm. We drove up to Toronto. Yes, sir. Planned it around the Raptors game. Yes, sir. You know, we and, and they paid for everything. We got courtside tickets. Oh, the courtside. Yes. Feet on the floor. And the rookies, they came too, but we put them up in the roof on the third floor. Raptors. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, they were so mad. Then we took them, then we went to a like one of the most expensive steakhouses of all time. And we ate good that night, bro. I remember taking a bottle of Louie home with me because it was so good. <laughs> yes, sir. And, um, bro, we, we hit him over the head like that. Took him, We went to the club. We did all of this in one night. Had a great time. We pulled back, at the, back up at the facility. At 6.45, and the first meeting was at 7. Mm-hmm. Man. Good it. old days. Good, Good old days. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome here. But, yeah, okay. Oof. Wow. Now, how, do you, how much do you think he spent, roughly? Uh, 
courtside itself is 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 enough for me. Yeah, that was like I had to be at least about three bands. Yeah, we uh, then that dinner though. That dinner was twelve thousand. Oh, wow! Limo. Then we even bought hotel rooms and didn't even didn't even use it. Didn't even use it. Man, I would probably say it was a. And my brothers came too. So <laughs> I would probably say a, at least it ain't fun unless the fam can have some. Yeah, exactly. So an eighteen to twenty k night. Easy. Okay, I think yeah. I think mine mine personally was ten k personally, but we had three rookies in my year, so we had me, Denora, Cersei, and one other cat. So we had a we had at least my tab was my tab itself. I paid for dinner and part of the club. My tab itself was ten ten bands. And then the what they ever paid for dinner. So yeah, I say about 15, 15, 20 bands. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. So at least y'all got they kept it consistent. So good. They the legacy is still living. The legacy definitely continues, my man, for sure. Definitely. Oh man. And so I really wonder what the rookie nights are like right now. Oh, probably with. nothing. They can't do nothing. So they're lucky. They lucked out. Yeah. They lucked out, and sure. so this year, like they definitely lucked out. Damn. Yeah, they definitely lucked out. Look at that. Look at that. Well, and hey, Bill's Mafia, you know what? I think that's going to have to wrap up the episode. Once again, Takeo, we really appreciate you coming on, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Enjoyed you guys. Dan and A-Dub, man, y'all hold it down, bro. And and so, yeah, man, we definitely will. And so, Bill's Mafia, say that you're watching this on YouTube, that I am going to be putting his podcast link in my description um, so make sure that you go over there and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you want. And so he puts on a fantastic show. And so besides that, guys, thank you once again. And thank you, Mr. Legend, Tequila Spikes, man. Appreciate it, man, for the insight and just what what you've been through and all that. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, good, bro. Much success to you guys, man. Thank you. Thank, thank you, man. And right so on. let's go, Buffalo. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.